0: This week, we shaky cam our way through Manhattan and Cloverfield. And along the way, we ask ourselves, why is Manhattan always a city of choice for destruction? Why does the monster look like a lobster? And how steady could you hold a camera? This is Force Fed Sci-Fi. Hey guys, welcome back to Force Fed Sci-Fi. My name is the non-monster and not from New York, Sean Michael Culp, and along with me is my co-host, the great and powerful Chris Rupp.
1: Boom, baby.
0: Yeah, we aren't monsters, but we're super excited for this episode.
1: I don't know about super. I would consider this like a, a mild excitement. A mild excitement? Yeah, you know, it's a new genre and all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a genre we haven't covered before. And uh, I was excited to revisit this movie because it had been a while since I had seen this. Same. And as Sean mentioned at the top of the show, we're discussing Cloverfield.
0: Yes, the found footage film. It like came out in 08, so we're super stoked to talk about it. I'm going to leave the synopsis to Chris because he is the synopsis overlord of this.
1: Uh, overlord implies that I uh, prevent you from doing <laughs> it. <laughs> No, I, I honestly, honestly, I love writing these for this show. See, that's
0: what I mean. Your love for it is just, I can't take that away. That's like taking candy from a baby, man.
1: So You s- love it. To sum up Cloverfield, during a, a going away party for a gentleman named Rob, a mysterious tremor rocks New York City. And when explosions occur all over the place, the citizens panic and attempt to evacuate under military order. Until a giant creature arrives and the military is now powerless to stop it. And then four people are now on a quest to rescue their trapped friend and find a way to escape the city before it's too late.
0: Yes, that's that's pretty uh, pretty basic and pretty solid. That's that's exactly what this film is about. I feel like you just summarized the
1: entire film. So without the giant monster in the modern setting, this sounds like a Dungeon and Dragons quest. <laughs>
0: that's
1: right. This is like a, yes! a campaign that one of the kids from Stranger Things thought up in the basement. <laughs> Dude, I actually, sidebar, I found out
0: about Dungeons and Dragons and like how in-depth that freaking game is. Have you ever played? I have not. Dude, no. If you have time and no life, play it. (laughs) Which we obviously don't because we spend it with the podcast. I have neither of those. (laughs) Same. Hey. Rock on that. So who is in this flipping movie? We know J.J.
1: Abrams produces it.
0: Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves was the
1: director who's gone on to do couple entries in the planet of the apes reboot franchise oh no way yeah okay he did uh the remake of the swedish horror film let the right one in he directed the vampire film let me in oh and he is slated to direct the next entry in the batman franchise starring robert pattinson oh that'll be interesting yeah before th- all that he was actually well known for creating the television show felicity with jj J. abrams oh, okay so him and abrams have been in Cahoots. Yeah. For a while. Uh, also written by Drew Goddard, who is also well known for writing the film World War Z and The Martian. And also uh, directed uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, which is kind of like this uh, Pulp Fiction-esque thriller film set in the late 1960s at a hotel that straddles the California and Nevada state lines. Oh. It's a very interesting film, a bit long-winded, though. Yeah. That seems a little bit yeah, but he actually got his start in writing on television, like uh, like Matt Reeves. He wrote on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> nice. Also wrote for the spinoff Angel. All right. Uh, Alias. Alias. Yeah, the it's another J.J. Abrams created television of course, show. Man, that man wrote on Lost.
0: Okay, another J.J. Abrams type deal.
1: Yeah, and then also uh, developed the television show Daredevil for Netflix. Hey, there we go. Which, uh, if you have the time to watch that on Netflix, it is a quality program. Is it? I've never, I didn't have the time. Personally, I'm hoping that that somehow gets a film entry in the MCU for my own selfish reasons. Daredevil. Is it better than the Ben Affleck one? Oh, infinitely better. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I was actually surprised to see that there were some well-known uh cast members in the film. Yeah, we got uh, what is that? T.J. Miller. Yeah, in one of his early film roles, he stars as uh.
0: Yeah, it's first.
1: Yeah, he's he's Hud, the uh, the camera operator slash uh uh, narrator, I guess, of the film. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah, that's a good title for him. Uh,
1: you have uh Lizzie Kaplan as Marlena, who definitely got her career uh going after this. Mm -hmm. I know uh, she was prominently known for uh the show masters of sex and was also had a bit a su- uh, supporting role in mean girls before this movie. Oh, so her career uh, really kind of took off after this. Okay. That's where she's from. Also starring Michael Stahl, David as Rob, who uh, mostly well-known for uh, roles on television. Okay. He has that television face. Yeah. <laughs> and then also starring Mike Vogel as Jason, who later uh, co-star with TJ Miller in the, romantic comedy she's out of my league yes which uh, I think we were talking about this off there I think uh, that might have to be our non sci-fi movie recommendation of the week if you want to laugh yeah, oh my god TJ Miller is hysterical he's in so that funny, movie man he's
0: better in that than this to say the least <laughs> but what else uh, pre-production notes I did you know that the majority of the film was improvised you know I think that's true with a lot of found footage movies yeah they just like give them the screenplay and they're like alright you gotta get from A to B figure it out because the behind the scenes i think it's on youtube it's like a 30 minute documentary and like the director or the producer which kind of shocked me would just come in to like the party scene and she would just be like all right everyone rob's coming in in like 10 minutes uh just talk with the camera guy make some drama happen and uh yeah at the end you're gonna go over here make it happen (laughs) and then it's like what
1: Okay, so they said they shot, like, that party scene for, like, four days. In total silence with no music playing or a conversation. That was all added in post-production from what I saw. Yep. And uh, that whole scenario with the producer sounds like the entire series run of the real world. Yes. Look, look at this real-life drama that some producer set up five minutes ago. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like
0: that in this film where it's like, what, what? but other times they execute it. That's like the
1: throws though with
0: improv. You never know what's gonna happen. Mm
1: -hmm. And some of it's good and bad. Mm. Well, I think J.J. Abrams was a real creative force behind this movie. Oh yeah. And and you've got some notes. I mean, how did he, what was his inspiration for this movie? His inspiration was like
0: Godzilla and King Kong. I think he said he went with his kids over to Japan and they saw like how big Godzilla was and he's like, hey, I wanna make my own monster movie in the United States, but I want it to be known for you know, like a different genre and everything for the 2000s. Because he's like, we have King Kong, but that's old, you know? We want something to reinvigorate the a genre. So we made this. And actually, throughout the film, there's like stills of like King Kong, I think Them, and another one that you can actually see because they give tribute to these films they based it off.
1: You know, I read that too, and I had this thought, you know, at the time, like 2008, we haven't gotten a new, the fresh Godzilla movies yet. All right. Uh, wouldn't it have just been easier to reboot the Godzilla series instead of trying to create your own unique uh, IP?
0: Well, that's just it, man. And the thing is, like, now Cloverfield's big again, which is kind of interesting. But he made it in 08, and then you're just going, okay, so congrats. You grossed some money, but how, I didn't see it as, like, the genre-bending, like, ooh, monster films. But until now, like, everyone's talking about Cloverfield again. So maybe he shot his shot, man. He tried. But Cloverfield does not come in mind when I think of monster films still.
1: More of that like King Kong type of deal. No. Or Godzilla. I think this does carry a bit of the stigma of being a found footage film. It's tough being found footage. Well, because oftentimes the genre is um, relegated to uh, like a subgenre within the overall horror Yes. subplot. like Tons uh, of horror. Yeah. Like uh, Blair Witch Project, right? Yeah, That's kind of like what started it off. Yeah, and this movie did have a tumultuous like pre-production period because it went through something like four different title changes before they finally settled on Cloverfield. Dude, the marketing was nuts yeah. for this. I think it was originally announced as Cloverfield, and then somebody figured it out, and then it changed again, <laughs> and then again after that, and then they went back to Cloverfield.
0: What? So they, okay. Well, hey, I, that's ballsy for that, though. Do you remember that, though, the marketing plan? Like, where you just, like, you wouldn't know what the hell this film is. I'd see, like, banners on YouTube of just, like, Cloverfield, but I never knew. It
1: was super hush-hush. Well, even the teaser trailer initially didn't even announce the film's title.
0: No. it was Like, like you had super. to figure,
1: yeah, I think you had to go online and figure it out, and uh, mm-hmm. that's where the whole viral marketing campaign yeah. Came in, because at the time, uh, MySpace was still a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all the major characters had MySpace profiles. <laughs> <laughs> so people would ask him, what's your film about, man? <laughs> well, I'm surprised that the title kept leaking, because J.J. Abrams is almost notorious for keeping a closed set for all of his films. Mm-hmm. Like even um, the, the new Star Trek films he directed.
0: Yeah, no one knew Anything about No, those.
1: the teaser trailer like, was for footage that wasn't even in the main film. I mean, this wasn't exactly the case with Cloverfield because we do get that same shot of the head of the Statue of Liberty crashing through the street, which, uh, again, is another uh, nod to Escape from New York.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great... I love that scene in this.
1: <laughs> well, that's a now iconic poster of the head of the Statue of Liberty in the street and Kurt Russell... As Snake Pliskin running through, running ahead of it with all the 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 gang members chasing him.
0: <laughs> Snake Pliskin.
1: Who the frick comes up with that name, man? John Carpenter. That's who. John- <laughs> don't you dare question John Carpenter.
0: God, that's a terrible name. I'm sorry, Snake. Come on, it's like me calling my child Dolphin. Like what? This doesn't make sense. Man. I don't
1: think it's the same. I think it's the same. Anyway. <laughs> I (laughs) agree
0: to disagree.
1: I also read, too, that even the casting was carried out in secret. Yeah. Like, they weren't, the the cast members weren't even given copies of the actual script. No. They were given episodes of uh, J.J. Abrams' television shows to read. Yeah. So they were given episodes from Lost and Alias, and they were told to act these out. There's several stories from Lizzie Kaplan and uh, other cast members saying that they were given lines from some romantic comedy to read and that this give they this gave them like uh like the wrong idea about what the movie actually was
0: (laughs) what is this yeah i i would have loved to be an actor though on this like an extra just pay me like 300 bucks to show up at a party or run
1: around screaming yeah
0: heck yeah man i'd do that i'd knock down some aliens
1: in my military gear speaking of the aliens though i mean and you mentioned this um in the at the top of the show what exactly did you think this creature was? I thought it was a lobster, man. Just a giant mutated, <laughs> like humpback whale and/or monster.
0: A cross between a lobster whale. It just lands somehow, makes its way on land.
1: Well, I I think this uh, that question was answered in subsequent sequels, right? Yes.
0: Yeah, I think in uh, well, it's a different monster in each, like Cloverfield Lane and then Paradox, from what I've seen, like Lane. You don't really get to see it too much. You just see something sucking her in. And then at the end of uh Paradox, you do see the similar-esque type monster that you see in this one. But I don't know. Like everyone's kind of like confused about how these sequels, what are the monsters? And JJ's like super tight lip, like always. He's like, Well, there may or may not be.
1: I don't know. We're thinking of a next film. It's like,
0: come on, man. It's your freaking monster movie.
1: I thought this the monster lacked any kind of like iconic imagery to it. Yeah. Well, it was all really quick cuts. And you don't really get to
0: see it for what it is until, like, uh, TJ Miller's character dies. And he literally is pointing the camera right up at the monster.
1: Which I have to ask how do you think he's killed?
0: I have no idea. Because it looks like it's eating him, but it spits his body out.
1: I think he's bitten in half, is what happens. He
0: thinks, so? okay. Cause I'm like, th- I was watching it today. And I'm like, I have no freaking idea. It maybe is in half. I guess.
1: Yeah, cause you see him, the creature bite down on him, and you hear like that that crunching <laughs> noise, which is, oh god, that 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 noise always bothers me. Right. Yeah, and then you see his um, like you only see him from the torso up.
0: Yes, you don't see his legs. Or yeah, anything.
1: which I, which again, it's 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 a gruesome death, but it's also not because you don't see the aftermath of it. mm Hmm. Well yeah You just see this
0: camera fall I actually think Cloverfield's probably like It has to be like a promotion For the camera that they used Because that camera survives hell Right And back and they never switch out the battery.
1: Think, like, how many times HUD fell down a <laughs> set of stairs or just fell, period. Dude. And that camera still is ticking without, Perfect. like, any cracks in the lens or any, like, skipping or
0: anything. The only time you see him, like, alter it is when the blood splatter happens, and then he just kind of wipes it off in the tunnel. I'm like, man, this is durable, dude.
1: The camera outlasts HUD. But I do think that the visual effects for the creature were... uh. It's impressive as well. For a found footage film? Yeah. Absolutely. Low budget. I loved... There were a couple scenes I really
0: enjoyed, the special effects. And actually, most of them was with the creature in and of itself, because they're really quick cuts, but they're clear. Like when they're coming out of the building after they say Beth, and uh, Hud just looks up to the left, and you see the monster peer its head out, and it's like for the first time in the film, you actually get to see it squared on us. Beautiful. Lights in the background the military shooting at it i mean there's so many good moments though i would say my favorite's a statue of liberty head coming in the
1: alleyway the only time that the visual effects weren't like doing it for me was uh when they're evacuating by helicopter and you see this uh this shot of uh beth and rob holding each other yeah and it's it's very clear that they're standing against a green screen or like a blue screen or something because it is it looks like it, it's almost like they were cut and paste with microsoft paint into the movie
0: <laughs> i know that one was pretty bad though i did like the helicopter scene when they're spinning out of control i'm like ooh. yeah that was that's, great that was brutal that was raw man though i hated how the monster just picked them out of everything just to attack out of the sky i'm like okay what
1: else did i hate <laughs> well, that gives us a sneak peek into what your rating is going to be.
0: <laughs> you know what? I'll I'll hold off until the rating comes.
1: All right, Jeremy, edit that out. <laughs> uh, well, I I want to ask this. I mean, the the whole movie is um predicated on this quest that Rob is roping his friends into to go save Beth after they had a uh, a disagreement at uh his going away party. Yeah,
0: which I don't know, man. That was bothersome because the film opens up with him and her, like, a video of them having sex, like, the next day he wakes up. And then it, like, jumps you to a month later, and him and her, I guess, aren't a thing anymore. And then she shows up at his party because he's going—because Rob's going away to Japan. So all of his homies are like, one last bash before you move away. And she shows up and— Like, then everyone just freaks. Like, oh, man, they slept together. Oh, man, she's got a new boy toy. I'm like, all right. So were you guys a thing? Weren't you a thing? Were you friends with benefits? Why does this matter? And why are you roping your homies into saving this girl that obviously doesn't care about you?
1: Without this, though... It's a 20-minute movie. Well, that's just it. That's the problem. That, that this is, is the only thing that's that provides substance to the film.
0: I know, and that's the sad part about it because they kill his brother on the bridge and they have the crazy cool bridge scene with it collapsing, the military taking it out. But then they're like, what do we do? Uh, let's have Beth call him all right hey guys we're going across town it was like come on man
1: i'm amazed that rob is able to get cell signal literally anywhere in right in the city during this time of emergency oh
0: my gosh i know and he actually maybe one of my lens flare was like how long that scene took in like the sears or whatever the electronic store radio shack how he just kept looking for a battery or yeah, something Yeah,
1: spongebob is playing on the screen yeah yeah <laughs> it
0: just took too long i'm like you guys are Still in Radio Shack He's still not listening He was a dick man Rob Every time they tried To talk to him And he was like Shocked He would just like That was another thing That bothered me When he was like Just looking away And they'd be like Rob What's going on What's going on And he's just like Staring off into the Netherworld It's like dude You always bother them When anything has to do With Beth Anything has to do with Beth, you're bringing them along, but they ask you a question,
1: it's like, oh no. Well, I was originally going to pick that whole quest to save Beth as a lens flare, (laughs) but then that would be the entire movie.
0: Entire half. The first half is great.
1: My actual lens flare, though, is when they are about to, they're leaving to go to Beth's. Mm -hmm. The military has ordered them to evacuate and leave the city. But they're still walking. They're still walking. They're walking in the middle of the street. All of a sudden, there's explosions and gunfire and everything everywhere. Right. It's the military, and they're shooting at the creature. (laughs) But the military or none of the soldiers say, hey, you need to get out of here. You've been ordered to evacuate. Right. Everyone get down. Yeah. And you're in the National Guard, and you can attest to this more than I could. (laughs) If you see somebody in the street during an evacuation order, what do you do? You do not just
0: engage and put a bunch of regular civilians at risk, you know, because that's like casualties is the most important thing. You don't want to make yourself a casualty or anyone else, particularly people you're protecting. So, yeah, I'm going to tell people to get down, get out of the way, move to cover, And we're going to direct people. And we're going to, like, fight the enemy. But I'm not just going to start launching rockets and RPGs right next to your face. But they did anyway. They did. They shot literally over them. Like, TJ Miller's character, like, jumps on the ground. He's freaking out. Which, I did appreciate them, like, covering their ears. But there would have
1: been no way for them to be,
0: like, coherent after that. A freaking tank just...
1: Boom boom boom. And then they're in the the subway tunnel afterwards. How are they not just like all yelling at each other cuz they're <laughs> they're all deaf? I know. Though, I think you like that subway tunnel scene, right? Uh, I liked when they actually start walking yes. through the tunnel. The build up to that when they're contemplating, how are they going to get, you know, 12 miles away? Too long. It's like, oh, they're just going to walk the entire length of the subway in like pitch black darkness and the only light is a light on the camera
0: yeah right man 12 miles like you even if you walk at three miles per hour that's gonna take like four hours in dark i mean come on there's just no way yeah and it's
1: it's insane these people walk like half a marathon in the entire film (laughs) but i mean i do like the tunnel scene because i think we get one of the best scenes in the movie they hear something in the tunnels they don't quite Uh know what it is and then a HUD turns on the night vision on the camera Yeah, and sees those uh, little uh, Cloverfield Juniors on the ceiling.
0: Yes, the creepy crawlies, spider-like yeah. things.
1: And then they start chasing them and attacking them, and that's uh, when Marlena gets bit. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that scene was great, and then they have to hide out in, the, I guess it's a janitor's closet they hide out in. I don't know what that With closet the was. machine? Yeah, I, I thought that know. that was weird that that's just hanging off. Same. Right off the subway. Same. And they just broke into them, which
0: I guess vending machines, you can break into them pretty
1: easy. Well, I would do that at my office, but I'd get in trouble. Yeah? You'd break into the vending machine, get that Snickers bar? Well, people would ask me, Chris, what are you doing with that rock? I'm just going into the break room. With that rock? And people are still going to ask, why are you going into the break room with that rock? I'm going to open the vending machines, and it's going to be anarchy. (laughs) I shall be the snack man.
0: The snack man. Snack man!
1: That's like how I felt when the military
0: were attacking the monsters through the alleyway. It was like, dun, 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 dun. like a freaking Mighty Mouse theme song. It's
1: like they were all playing the Ride of the Valkyries yeah. in their head. Yes. It's like, I'm living out my apocalypse now, fantasy. <laughs> oh, man. Except it's not Viet Cong I'm fighting.
0: No, no, it's not. Oh, my
1: God. It's a monster, and I don't know where it came from. Though <laughs> so you know what? I'm going to shoot bullets at it, because that does the trick. Always does. Throw as many rounds as he can. There's so
0: much destruction in this movie. You know what, but though those moments were my favorite. I think the moments where this film fell flat was like the when you get caught up in all the drama between the characters because it wasn't really there wasn't much base for it. And it was just kind of distracting like TJ Miller, I love him, but his jokes and his like narrating kind of took me out of the film. Because they'd be up on like the building. And he's like, well, if we're all going to die, say goodbye. And it's just like, no, no, let's go across the yeah. freaking building.
1: Someone asked, what was that? He's like, I don't know, something terrible.
0: right, exactly. He's like, what's 0600 mean? Six o'clock, bro. <laughs> it's like, it's literally six hours. But he, his commentary to me was stupid, but I don't blame him because A, it was his first acting role, and B, he's a comedian.
1: So the director is probably like,
0: be funny, man. Be funny. Just say lines.
1: Well, there is no normal way to react I mean, if this were an actual situation, there's no normal way to react to all this destruction and death happening all around you. No, and that's why I do appreciate this
0: film, because it shows chaos perfectly in Manhattan. Like, how unprepared we would be as a society if something like this would happen.
1: I also looked up how many films have showed destruction and disaster in Manhattan, and it is an inordinate amount of films. Like, how many are we talking, bro? Oh, a lot. Like, you you ready for this list here? Yeah, man. So we have Independence Day, <laughs> Armageddon. Oh my God! Deep Impact. Deep Impact. Too? Yeah, The Avengers. Uh, the day after tomorrow. Uh, Knowing the Nicolas Cage. Um, yes. Prediction film. Uh, The Planet of the Apes, which also showed like the Statue of Liberty also destroyed too. Uh, 1998's Godzilla. Oh my God! We have uh every iteration of a King Kong movie, up until <laughs> Skull Island. Uh, Ghostbusters, I Am Legend, The Siege, War of the Worlds. What? Uh, Not done. The Day the Earth Stood Still, and Artificial Intelligence have all showed New York in ruins or stages of disaster. So it seems like Hollywood has a real big issue with New York City. What did New York do to Hollywood? You know, I couldn't find anything that gave, like, a definitive answer as to why that's the case, but I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that it is an iconic city. I think so. And it's so diverse
0: that most people would be accepting, like they say in Men in Black. You're like, yeah, well, think about that, Chris. If Godzilla appeared in Atlanta,
1: Georgia. Well, I think, um... I think Hollywood is definitely trending away from this because it's almost a trope now that New York is just going to get destroyed by something. If it's a disaster film, New York's going to be featured and there's just destruction and death will ensue. That's like right. we, We've definitely seen an increase in films that are like showing destruction in Chicago or yeah. California.
0: I don't mind that, though. No, I don't either. It. I think it's cool, A, because they promote Chicago and B, it gets us out of New York. Because Chicago's beautiful, man. There's
1: so much that you could show. Well, yeah, I think that the the skyline is... Just as iconic as New York City, like you see yeah. the skyline oh, in yeah. Chicago, you instantly know that it is Chicago. Absolutely, and it's a, one of a kind. Yeah, I don't think Los Angeles has a skyline like that. So I think you have to, but people know that it's Los Angeles because you just show traffic,
0: yeah, and smog. See people coughing and choking on the air with their beautiful plastic surgery
1: bodies. But yeah, it's insane. Like how many times New York has been destroyed in filmed and not. Uh, That was probably the shortest list I could come up with. Yeah. There's uh, probably a ton of other films that have been destroyed. So do you think they did a good job in destroying New York in this film? Um... You know, I think the military did more damage than the actual (laughs) monster did.
0: You know, that is true. Because that's
1: almost another trope is the military can't shoot or aim to save their lives. Yeah,
0: well, we watched Godzilla and the military missed all the time. And now when I watched this, I was like, man, we are definitely unprepared and we suck at firing. It's like, you guys are qualified as riflemen, (laughs) right? Yeah. Just spray and pray, baby.
1: Oh my God. I do want to ask this too, like- um. Like with the found footage genre, I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously there's a lot of shaking of the cameras going around. Did that affect your viewing experience in any way?
0: No, I actually thought this would be terrible (laughs) with the shaky camera, but it actually wasn't as bad as I anticipated. Um, There was only one scene where I think the camera was flipped upside down in my head like I was turned. But after that, I was totally cool with it. The running was fine. The, every, like I said, every action scene moved the story, and those were the most interesting parts. Mm-hmm. So I was cool with it, man. I just wanted TJ to shut up outside of that. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Did it mess with your viewing at all? You
1: know, I have to agree with you. It, it didn't really mess with me. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm not a huge, I don't actively seek out found footage films. Let me put it that way. Same. Well, the
0: thing is, a lot of them are low budget, so they don't have as great of effects as this one did. And it's not as clear. So I think Cloverfield did a darn good job.
1: No, and uh, found footage films are, uh, I don't want to say easier to pull off, because it's so hard to get a film made in Hollywood. But you can do a found footage film on a, a smaller budget. You can get lesser known actors, and you can do a quality found footage film on a relatively like cheap time. Well, yeah, Blair Witch, I mean 60,000 dollars and it
0: grossed over 250 million. I mean, that's they're kind of the ones that kind of started it all and made it a popular genre. Mm-hmm. But I think with Culverfield it cha- it added to it.
1: What about what about a red shirt? Did you have a red shirt in this movie, Sean? Red shirt.
0: Ah, you know what my red shirt would probably be uh, that chick with her head exploding. Marlena. Marlena. Yeah, I mean I didn't like her character. That to be honest, I didn't because she was such a douche to freaking TJ Miller's character like the whole time. She's just pushing him off, pushing him off. Guess she was an actress and she's like I'm an actress and he's like oh that's cool and she just like bypasses him the entire freaking film. And then because she saves his butt, then they're kind of cool and then her head explodes.
1: You know, I there was that brief moment that they had after she had saved Hud, mm-hmm. that they they connected a little bit and you know she's in pain and she starts bleeding and yeah. she asked for Hud. Yeah. Not Rob, not Lily. So I mean, they do start I mean, she does soften she does to him, and I think that softens her character overall.:
0: Yeah, I just think it took too long.:
1: But I think it started back when um, that dust cloud rolled through the street, and you see her in the aftermath, and she's shaken. Yeah, she's visibly shaken. I think she mentioned that she saw the creature like bending down and eating people. Yeah. Which yeah, that would mess with anybody. <laughs> oh my gosh, seeing like this Goliath of a creature just eating you like an ant. See the lobster-whale hybrid just eating people?
0: <laughs> it's flopping around on my head. Would you, would you survive Cloverfield, Chris? Would you make it? You it know what? There? I
1: think I would because I would follow the military's instruction. Oh yeah. Like, if this somehow happened in Chicago and the National Guard or the Army shows up and says, hey, you all need to evacuate, you know what I'm doing? I'm getting in that evacuation line and I'm leaving. I'm not going to go look for any ex-girlfriends or anybody because I'm going to assume that they're going to do the same thing I'm doing is getting into the evacuation line or I'm getting in my car and I'm driving as far away from the city as I can.
0: <laughs> That's right. And if they don't, Darwinism, survival of the fittest. i The whole time watching this, I thought the same thing. I'm like, there's no person, no ex-girlfriend that I would ever drive across.
1: Well, there's also too, there's hardly anybody I like know personally that lives in the city proper. Oh, oh it's like okay. So Fair like, like all my friends live out in the burbs like i'm well you're good and if i'm in the city like for touristy things like and there's a group i'm with like okay group we're all going to evacuate like that's it there's no ifs ands or buts same i uh well i'd be
0: there i'd be the one directing traffic and freaking being the medic on scene so if i see you i'd be like chris get out of here what are you doing why are you here go home yeah, I think I would. Uh, well, I don't know if I'd survive it. <laughs> well, because you're in the so National I mean, Guard, they're going to deploy you. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'd probably die, but to be honest, because we wouldn't know how to handle it.
1: Or they could have you set up in one of those, uh, that triage center. Probably. And treating people with the bites who are, whose chests are just going to wind up exploding.
0: Exploding on everyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably do that, I think. If I see you in there, it's a bad time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oh, did you want to
1: talk about the hipsters? Oh, yes.
0: Yes, because I remember you were talking about hipsters. Oh, in yeah. This, this film. movie, so I to-
1: this <laughs> movie reeks of hipster. <laughs> it's like her. It is like an open garbage pit of hipster. <laughs> There is the music during the going away party. And I get it's a product of the time, but still. uh, Oh, my God. There is the clothing. Literally, everybody is shopping at the same hipster clothing store.
0: They even have Sephora in the background for like five minutes. I'm like, what is this?
1: And in a way, it's also a lot of attitudes about relationships are in the movie, like especially the relationship between Beth and Rob. Totally. Totally.
0: Like they hooked up and now they're tight and he's just going around the party. Did you know that Robin Beth had sex? That they were intimate.
1: Yeah, T.J. Miller uh, Hud is. uh, He is the worst person to tell (laughs) secrets. Yeah, he's
0: just he's just gonna tell everyone your secrets. Jerk. Yeah, I know. Who goes around a party like that?
1: Somebody who's like, yeah, he's. Rob, like, quote, Rob's best friend, but then he goes around and betrays Rob's trust by telling freaking everybody.
0: That's a nice friend you got there, but it all makes sense because I think they were all asshats anyways. I'm so sorry, I'm if like, this was
1: my best friend and he's going around, like, you know, airing out my dirty laundry, like, we're going to have to have a serious chat about this whole best friend, like, relationship.
0: <laughs> These people were not good people. That's why I did not cry when they
1: died. I was he, very happy. And people know that HUD is Rob's best friend. And it, none of them say, "Hey, aren't you his best friend? Why are you like? Yeah. Why are you talking about this to everybody? Yeah, why are you talking smack about him? Why are you airing his dirty laundry to everyone? You jerk!
0: All right, I won't. I won't talk more smack about you, Chris, when
1: we go to parties. Please
0: don't. No, 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 no. no. I'm I'm a
1: sensitive person like that.
0: I know. I I won't tell people you're a natural blonde.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just <laughs> what is that, that d- to mean? Did you dye your hair? I don't dye my hair. <laughs> What's the matter with you? oh man let's discuss the legacy of Ooh. cloverfield yes so this
0: film when it came out it kind of like changed the market for found footage i i think it like it was during the paranormal activity came out quarantine and like revitalized the interest yeah district
1: nine because prior to this like we mentioned the really the only popular well-known or found footage film that it performed well at the box office was uh the blair witch project yeah Which came out in 1999. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the year before Cloverfield came out in 2007, the first uh, film in the Paranormal Activity series was released, and that was released to a lot of uh, critical acclaim and box office success as well. Oh, my God. I remember people talking about it like it was real. It was crazy. Quarantine, I don't think it exactly got the- the the success that it was hoping for. Mm-hmm. But then Cloverfield came out, and I think a lot of it had to do with the viral marketing. Yes. Because people were intrigued, like, what is this movie? What, what is this Cloverfield? What does that mean? Oh, yeah. It turns out it's just a military designation for the incident.
0: <laughs> brilliant, though. Absolutely brilliant. But
1: after this, after Cloverfield came out, we've had uh, multiple entries in the Paranormal Activity series. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the horror film Apollo 18, mm-hmm. which is another film that's on our list. Uh, that's on our list? Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah, you're it for another ah! found footage film if that comes up in the list. Uh, no! We've had the horror film set in the French catacombs, uh, the uh, As Above, So Below, uh, along with many others, like uh, Chronicle is a yeah. recent example from the past couple of years. I'd be down to see that. Uh, no, An early film starring uh, Michael B. Jordan, actually. Hey, what? Yeah. Oh, that's dope. So like we mentioned, it's a it's a good way to make a film relatively cheap. You can get relatively unknown actors. And mm-hmm. if you have the right story and the right director, you can execute it very well. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised to learn how much money this movie had made. Yeah. So on a $25 million budget, it grossed $170 million. That's not bad at all. That's awesome. Yeah. And take this for what you will. It holds a uh, 77% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah.
0: Which I think it's, I don't know, I think that's it's due deserve. Like I guess that's a, a fair rating. Yeah, for what it is. I'd say it's three star because you can't, I mean, the action scenes are great. The story moves. You, If you're just a
1: little irritable like myself,
0: a cynic, I will get angry at characters that annoy me, but if that yeah, doesn't bother you.
1: It also was awarded the best science fiction film at the Saturn Awards. Ooh. That's good. Mm-hmm. And it also launched a whole franchise, as we've yep. mentioned earlier. We've had uh two sequels, the uh, ten Cloverfield Lane, which is uh barely qualifies as a science fiction film. I still think we should add it to the list. I'll I'll consider it. Because hey man, John Goodman. You you made me put Battlefield Earth into the list. So uh <laughs> Yeah.
0: Oh, it's on there. It's going.
1: And then we got the Cloverfield Paradox, which came out mm-hmm. uh I think uh, earlier this year on yeah. Netflix. Yeah.
0: And now they're making a fourth one.
1: Yes. A direct sequel to this film is currently in development, which I mm-hmm. will be interested to see. Me too. When that comes out. And actually, our this is last little uh, bit of legacy uh, tidbit. Empire Magazine named it the fifth best movie of 2008. Oh. Okay, which I think on. Wally was on top of that list. Oh, yeah. Another uh, previous episode on the show. So please go check that out. So, uh, so Sean, what rating would you give 2008's Cloverfield, bearing in mind our four-tiered rating system on the force-fed sci-fi podcast of wouldn't watch, would watch, would own, and would host viewing parties?
0: Um, I think I would actually watch it
1: if it was on TV. Uh,
0: I really enjoyed the action scenes, like I've said multiple times executed well you can really see that it's a nice sleek film that J.J. Abrams had his hand all over it um the only things for me like I said were the characters (laughs) in it that were boring but it's really offset by a really fast-paced moving film and if you can get over that or if you like drama like that you're gonna love it uh for found footage people I think it's not too shaky of a cam type deal it's not a horror film so if you're looking for to be scared go the other way swerve it's got good CGI, though, and great effects. Um, so if you're into that, I definitely would recommend it, especially for sci-fi people that want something new. So that is my approach. So I would actually watch this.
1: Yeah, I agree. I would call this a would watch yeah. as well. I mean, while this is an interesting premise, I think making it in the found footage genre may be a bit of a misstep.
0: That is the tough thing about it. I can't decide if I would rather see this as it is or if I wanted it, like, filmed. Because it's just, there's, at what far, you know, corner do you want to get to? Because we've seen King Kong and Godzilla, and when you have a monster movie, sometimes they spend too much time, like, with the monster, and then, you know, it's like, how, where are you going with it? I think it works well as a found footage, but at the same token, it could be, like, a military piece if they wanted to do a feature film.
1: But this also wasn't even the best film in the series. The next film I would say is a is Mm -hmm. a more superior film. But again, it's Mm -hmm. barely a science fiction film.
0: And that's it. And the whole film, it's just the build up to when she Mm -hmm. leaves the house and if, like he, you know, it's real or not.
1: But I have to say that the whole the series as a whole is a bit of a letdown, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because it's all over the place. We have the first entry, which is a found footage film. The second, which is more as a suspense film, and then. The third is, like, hardcore, in-your-face science fiction. Yeah. Like, it raises more questions than it answers.
0: So, it's just like, where are you guys going with So, this? I
1: think that this movie is dragged down by its uh, successors. I think so, which too. It, which is an unfortunate thing to say, because yeah. if this was a standalone film, I think it would do much better. Oh, totally. But honestly, I mean, you can't mention this film without talking about the successive films.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I agree. And I'll co-sign that. <laughs> Boom! So... With all that in mind, Sean, what do you say we pick our film for next time? Let's do it.
0: Mama Mage Samantha.
1: Yeah. Though we enlist the help of our friendly random number generator AI, and between a list uh, from 118 films, Mm -hmm. she has selected number seven. Number seven. Which is a 2013 film directed by Neil Blomkamp and starring Matt Damon. It is Elysium. So, a very uh, dystopian future tech film that we're going to be getting in your earwaves soon. Action packed, man. Uh, Get ready
0: to see a bald Matt Damon coming your way.
1: That'll be our film for next time. Uh, If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave us a five star review. It helps drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show. We are across a spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All at Force Fed Sci Fi. Please comment. We do love chatting with you guys. You can check out and download episodes at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. And please subscribe so you never miss an episode. Finally, you can check out our website, ForceFedSciFi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. So, for myself and all of us at the Force Fed Sci Fi team, we'll see you next time. Force-Fed Sci-Fi is written and hosted by Sean Culp and Chris Rupp. Website design, associate producer, and editing by Jeremy Kasky. Artwork designed by Mike Berger. Theme music composed and performed by Custom Anthem.